live in a world that is facing one of its biggest challenges in living memory. The coronavirus pandemic has devastating potential as it sweeps across the globe. To fight the virus and slow its spread, we've had to change almost everything about how we live our lives. Today, I'm joined by Professor Stephanie Pitts from our Department of Music. Stephanie is an expert in audience participation, music education and the impact of arts on everyday life. So I started out doing research in music education initially. I came to Sheffield as a PhD student and the department was really strong for music psychology. So I got sucked into that area of research as well. And that has led to an interest in lifelong musical engagement. So what people do with music after school, how they stay involved as participants and audiences. And particularly I've started focusing in recent years on um, live arts. So um, arts as uh, participation and as audience activity. And I've just finished a big project called Understanding Audiences of the Contemporary Arts, which I worked on with Dr. Sarah Price. So how is the current situation impacting these different types of art forms and arts organisations and artists? Obviously a huge impact. Um, the most obvious one being that venues had to close at very short notice. So there will have been lots of events that were planned that had to be cancelled at the very last minute. Um, and for amateur participants as well you know people were preparing for concerts they were giving up their regular weekly rehearsals so an enormous impact for people who had the arts as a really strong part of their lives before the lockdown um obviously then that means loss of income for the arts organizations and particularly for freelance artists who build all their work in a kind of portfolio and are very dependent on work coming in regularly um and i think beyond that kind of immediate um, effect of lockdown, uh, this, the impact will be quite a shake up of the usual ways of thinking about funding, about audiences and about the place of arts in society. Do you think the long term impacts will differ slightly from the shorter term ones that we've seen already? Yeah, I think the short term responses have in some ways been really creative and generous and positive. So there are all kinds of things happening um, that wouldn't have happened in normal circumstances. So all the streaming of live theatre and things like that is very exciting. Lots of um, online gallery tours and things like that. So people might actually be having more access to the arts in digital form at the moment than they're used to. And in some ways that makes it very kind of egalitarian. Anybody can access it which is to say anybody with a computer and decent broadband and some knowledge of the arts already. So it, it feels very equal and accessible, but there will still be people perhaps who feel excluded from that situation, which is quite challenging. Um, it, we've almost reached the point where there's too much going on. I've been noticing how um, the audiences that we've interviewed in the past talk about how you can end up with this fear of missing out um, because there's so much going on you can't access all of it now you can get that FOMO without even leaving your house um, and various organizations are using strategies to try and deal with that so some of them are going for routine like the National Theatre streaming on a Thursday evening so you know when that is you can anticipate it you can look forward to it and then others by taking out the decision making so there's a fantastic thing that Alter Classical have produced which is a concert roulette so you just go onto the website and you ask for a concert and you might get a full-length symphony or a short contemporary art song and you just, just that decision-making process is taken out of your hands in ways that might reduce stress and increase accessibility at the moment. That's really cool that they're doing that actually. Yeah. It'd be quite interesting to see what you get presented with and might mm. open audiences up to something that they might not have experienced if they were 
making the decision to go and see a particular symphony, for example. Absolutely. I think that's right, that a lot of the, the decision-making of going to see the arts has been reduced. You don't have to make those big decisions about the cost of a ticket or the time when you'll do it, because it's on the internet whenever you want it most of the time. Um, so there might be the possibility that audiences will become more open-minded. Or, given the kind of the stress of the situation, people might sort of hunker down into their familiar arts engagement that they know and love, so that they're looking for things that remind them of the live arts that they've enjoyed in the past. It's just so hard to know. There's going to need to be a lot of research on, on this situation because it's not one that we've experienced before. Are particular sectors of or different arts organisations being impacted more than others, do you know? I think... There are huge differences depending on the size of the organisation and of its staff, the situations that those staff members find themselves in, um, and the extent to which those organisations can access the kind of forms of support that are being made available. So some of them will be getting support from the government, they might have been able to furlough staff. Um, some will be able to access Arts Council support and grants. Um, but. Uh, those themselves are huge new skills and kind of planning demands that the organisations are having to face up to. Um, large venues will be particularly hit by the costs and the loss of revenue from things like ticket sales, but also their coffee shops and, you know, the, the ways in which people spend time in those buildings. Um, and smaller organisations um, will be hardest hit in some ways but also perhaps the most flexible and resilient there as i say some amazingly creative responses some arts organizations just repurposing themselves to do social work you know working with in food banks and doing kind of deliveries to to local people and things and so obviously the, the social impact of that is huge but there is also a kind of valuable message about the arts being at the center of culture and being important to society in this time so one of the things about engaging with the arts quite often is that you get to almost without realising sometimes engage with the rest of the audience as well, which is obviously something that we might be missing from our homes. Is there any way around that or anything that we can do? Yeah, you're right that the um, being amongst other audience members is a huge part of the pleasure that people usually get from their live arts attendance. Um, and the, the research I've done in the past with chamber music audiences, for example, they talk about being able to see other people listening and how important that is, how much that is part of the pleasure, because otherwise you would just listen to a CD in your own home. Um, obviously, we can't do that at the moment. And... So that means that some people will leave lockdown desperate to go back to the theatre and really excited about being able to get back to that live arts. But we've also had the message that we must stay at home drummed into us so much that the idea of being in a large crowd might feel more threatening than it used to, more dangerous, um, more risky to health. Um, and so I think um, arts organisations will have a big job of work to do in both making that a safe experience and dealing with that kind of psychology psychological barrier to being in a large crowd again it's been interesting as well seeing how different organizations have responded to the use of the audience in the live streaming that they're doing so the national theater productions that i mentioned are powerful because you see the audience arriving and you hear that chatter before the performance starts. Um, those recordings were made to be streamed in cinemas initially and so a large organisation like that has already been able to think about how to re replicate that live arts experience in a digital form. Other organisations are learning that you know really fast and um, having to do that in difficult situations for the organisation as well. Um, so 
yes, some obviously some streaming um, output is is more successful than others, um, and with such a wide range to choose from, that's quite difficult for audiences. Um, so I think um, positively, um, uh, organisations will be able to mobilise this um, love for the arts that people might have been experiencing during lockdown, realising just how important, you know, thinking beyond the, the current situation is for people. But they will also have a challenge in that audiences won't want to plan ahead. It will be really difficult to persuade people that, you know, there's a great show on in January, why don't you book a ticket? We used to be able to do that and think that that was utterly reliable and the worst thing that would happen is that it might snow. But now, you know, everything has changed and it's really hard to to think and plan ahead. So perhaps organisations will have to be much more flexible in being able to return tickets or giving you a season ticket from which you can choose a number of events and things like that. So it will be a completely different um, psychology of attendance, I think. So obviously you've touched on a few different things there about what might happen as lockdown eases and moving into the future. Is there anything else, any other situation that arts organisations might find themselves in or any other challenges they might have to deal in the future? deal with in the future sorry i think um this could be an opportunity um again trying to be positive to try new formats so i've been talking um previously with music in the round in in sheffield who do chamber music concerts and they have a format that is absolutely loved by their regular audience, but it involves, you know, everybody sitting, watching the performers on stage. And for some people who come as newcomers to that setting, that feels quite difficult. You know, you don't know what everybody else is doing while they're listening. And actually being able to, you know, be a little further apart from other people, being allowed to use your phone during the concert and things like that might be a way of getting different people back into the concert hall and so there could be a way in which you know concerts don't have to be two hours long with an interval in the middle there might be a way of making things slightly different that is then appealing to a different range of audience members um, and the other thing is that um, mobilizing audience loyalty could be again a valuable tool for organ organizations rebuilding and some of the work that we did in the um, understanding audiences with the contemporary arts project was about collecting audience testimonials about what was important about the arts to people and it wasn't the the credentials of the performers and the prizes that the creatives had won and things like that things that tend to be in the marketing materials for some organizations it was much more about the emotional impact what it was like to be in that situation to have that arts experience and i think again being able to talk about that and having a reason for saying this is why the arts are important might be an opportunity and helps to keep the arts in the foreground of um, social and cultural discourse. It's been really apparent that um, perhaps in the absence of sport, I don't know, it's been really apparent that people are talking about the arts more than they usually do. They're featuring in you know, mainstream media much more than has been the case in the past. Um, even things like the news programmes are having, you know, a song at the end of a news bulletin or um, the Today programme on Radio 4 in the mornings has been featuring an artist who would otherwise have been doing a, a performance and is kind of really highlighting those kind of um, aspects of society that often aren't talked about in that mainstream way. Do you think that because people are able to sit at home in what might be considered more of a, a safe and judgment-free space that actually when lockdown does ease and people can go back to arts venues, they might find that they've got 
newer audiences, people who haven't previously gone to the theatre, for example? I really hope so. I think that could be one positive outcome of this bizarre situation, that people who might have felt intimidated about going to a theatre have now seen the work itself. And so they know that it's worth going through that door and putting up with the fact that everybody else might feel, you know, posher or more educated or um, less ethnically diverse than you and your family. Um, to know that it is worth going because the art that you encounter will contribute something to your life. I think that's really valuable and people might have made that discovery. On the other hand, they might have been put off, you know, that I don't know whether it's just this corner of Twitter that I look at, but you know, it still feels very middle class and educated. Um, and so possibly this situation will have just surfaced all of that discourse and people, it won't have broken down those barriers. It would just in some ways have made them more visible. We can't know that. and arts organisations, again, are going to have to work on trying to say, you know, did you hear this during lockdown? Come and hear it live. So finally, how can we support arts organisations both now and as the situation changes and restrictions are lifted? I think there are lots of really practical things that people can do at the moment. Um, so there's been uh, quite a bit of uh, discussion again on social media about not asking for ticket returns. If you're in a position to be able to do that, don't ask for a refund, leave that money with the organisation or postpone it to a future event. Um, taking out memberships is um, a valuable thing to do so that again, you're expressing your loyalty to a particular organisation. Um, and if you can't afford to do those kind of financial gestures, just signing up to mailing lists, being ready to be in touch with those organisations when they reopen so that they know there is an audience out there waiting for them when they're able to leave their houses again. Before we go, we'd just like to say a huge thanks to Stephanie for talking to us on Coronavirus Examined. Thanks for listening and hopefully you'll join us for our next episode where we'll be talking about how manufacturing has been impacted during the coronavirus crisis and how the Advanced Manufacturing Research Centre has really stepped up in this difficult time. Coronavirus Examined is a podcast series from the University of Sheffield. It's presented by me, Alicia Shepherd, and edited and produced by Harry Clulo and Tommy Wilson. To find out more about the University of Sheffield's research around coronavirus, head to sheffield.ac.uk forward slash research forward slash coronavirus.